Good evening. Tonight's reading is uh, from Joshua, and we're reading the whole of chapter 7. It's on page 221, if you want to follow in the Church Bibles, and it's also on the screen. So, Joshua, chapter 7. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out A. But when they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against A. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about three thousand went up, but they were routed by the men of A, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe us out, wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why Israel cannot stand against their enemies. They have turned their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go, consecrate the people, tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family, and the family that the Lord chooses shall shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua made Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen. 
The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. He made the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua made his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Thanks, Lizzie. My name's Stephen Demetrio. I'm the youth minister at Bishop Paynton Church, and that's a weighty reading, so let's pray and ask for God's help to understand it. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're the God who speaks and speaks clearly, even through hard and difficult passages. We pray and ask you to help us to understand that better uh, and uh, even come away loving you more. Amen. Um, I was a young boy when I first read a swear word in the book and it shocked me to the core I reeled like, 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 it was there in a place I was not expecting it Harry Potter yeah, yeah. So, so in her early years there were some fun wizarding swears like galloping gorgons and, and Merlin's beard like deplorable language in any sense of the word but in her later books there it was in black and white a rude word and she even capitalized it as well <sighs> guys guys there's something about rudeness in black and white that kind of draws you in you, you kind of can't escape from it it kind of throbs and is there bold and you keep looking at it it's like this glaring thing <sighs> and actually um we've got our own glaring thing in joshua 7 haven't we the, the end of this passage kind of jumps out as this moment of judgment uh, of sin of death and no doubt you've got questions rolling around your head. Uh, namely, is God being cruel? Uh, we're going to come to those. And we're going to need God's help. So it's a good thing we've prayed and asked for our help. 
see uh, where we are in, in Joshua. Um, if you remember, kind of, we, we've got these two different groups of people. We've got the Israelites, who are God's people under God's blessing. And the other side, we, we've got kind of the Canaanites, who are the enemies of God's people and under judgment. And Joshua so far has been about kind of Israel uh, um, conquering and moving through into the promised land of Cana and taking what God's given promise to them. And hey, last week, that conquering had well and truly begun, hadn't it? Like I had, uh, Jericho had fallen, that, that great mighty fortress city. And can you imagine the celebrations that night, their first kind of moment of taking the promised land for themselves? That would have been some serious party. Like dancing, music, fires, our whole works. Like, woo, celebrating, enjoying it. And then we read chapter 7, verse 1. But. Oh. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to devoted things. Achan took some of them. There were signs that things are changing. Achan's name, it means the troubler. Um, the next city on kind of Israel's to conquer list is A, which literally means ruin. So we're kind of expecting some trouble and ruin to come where God's people. And it all kind of has to do with stuff that's like devoted to destruction. You notice that? And Ben was talking about this last week, so good to kind of recap what kind of what Ben was saying. Um, it goes back to Joshua 6, verse 18. Uh, here's what it says. Um, Keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. There's three kind of words that jump out there. One is devoted, two is destruction, and three kind of not in the passage, but dangerous. That's what this stuff is. See, the stuff in Jericho, the people in Jericho, was marked out as devoted, set apart. Kind of the opposite of sacred. If sacred set apart for holy purposes, this is kind of set apart for judgment and destruction. One that had been a long time coming after God's patience for so long. And as such, it kind of made this stuff, well, dangerous to God's people. Um, see, by taking this, well, last week Ben showed us it's a bit like bringing liquid poison into God's people. And letting it spread. See, God cannot and will not uh, uh, allow any of Canaan coming into Israel. So he says, stay away from that stuff. It's not good for you. And yet, what do we read in that verse 1? Israel take Canaan into the heart of their camp. They're unfaithful. They sin. And that is a terrible and terrifying thing. And actually, it's even worse when you think about what God's done. God has just given them the victory, the, the, the great victory over Jericho, right? And still, they ignore him and take the devoted staff into the camp. And it's a great reminder to us, actually, that often behind our moments of great triumph, great temptation lies... And we read these chilling words in verse 1. The Lord's anger burned against Israel. So here's what we're saying tonight. Sin is more terrible than we know. In fact, God despises sin. 
God despises it. Yet for most of the people, they're completely oblivious to what's happened. They're like there partying, celebrating, enjoying the great victory, Jericho's fallen, woohoo, all that kind of stuff. They're, they're loving life. And, and, and like for most of them, they're just riding that crest of the wave. In fact, Joshua's like, right, let's go. We've taken down Jericho. Let's go. What's next on our list? Oh, hey, sends out the scouts. And the scouts go out and they come back with an amazing looking scouting report, right? Verse 3. They're like, hey, Joshua, not all the army had to go up against A. Only a few people live there. We're okay. Joshua, we don't need everyone to go up. It's a tiny little dinky village. We'll be fine with half the troops. Don't worry. In, in modern terms, um, Jericho, if that's kind of Brighton-sized, we're thinking A is like Hassock-sized. Nothing against Hassocks, but if you take down Brighton, Hassocks is not really that big of a deal, is it? You know? <laughs> and so, what happens? Verse 4, so... so the Israelites, 3,000 of them went up, but they were routed by the men of A. So the same army that takes down the impregnable Jericho with its mighty walls stumble against the hamlet of A. What? And what an anticlimax, right? They've entered the promised land and suddenly they're failing, they're losing, they're being defeated? What's going on? In fact, that's exactly what Joshua does. He, he asks God what's going on. He gets down on his knees in front of the ark where God's presence would be. And he says these words. He's like, alas. That's a no hope word in the Bible, by the way. Alas, sovereign Lord. Why did you bring us out of uh, the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? God, what are you doing? Why are we getting destroyed by this tiny little village? And God answers Joshua, doesn't he? In verse 10, God says, Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. God says, Joshua, sin is the reason for your downfall. See, sin is more terrible than we know. God despises and hates it. In fact, in fact, sin's so horrible, it kind of makes us enemies of God. Do you notice that? Did you see how God's people feel in, in, in verse 5? After, after fighting A, losing the battle, we read this. Verse 5, their hearts melted in fear and became like water. If you've been through Joshua with us before, that's an expression that comes up over and over again. That, that, that's, that's a Cain-like feeling. That's the feeling of God's enemies in Joshua 2. In Joshua 2, in Joshua 5, over and over again, the Canaanites, God's enemies, their hearts melt in fear. Not God's people. But sin is more terrible than we know. It makes us enemies of the living God. It's like by taking those devoted goods, Israel had become Canaan. Under God's judgment. But wait. I can hear you saying, Stephen, wait, wait, wait. Why does verse 11 say Israel have sinned? They have taken and they have lied. They have covered. What's going on? Wasn't it just Achan? Why are the whole of Israel getting punished for Achan's sin? What's going on there? Well, um, I want to ask a very personal question. So you might want to close your eyes while I ask this. 
Um, okay, cl- close your eyes. It, it might help. Hands up if you have been to the toilet in a swimming pool before. I know that's a personal question. Right, you can put hands down and eyes open. Um, I have, I'm not ashamed of it. Yes, I have. Now, now, this is a very crass illustration, but hopefully it makes a point, right? Imagine BH the swimming pool. Imagine I'm at the front here, desperate for the toilet. And so desperate that I go for a wee in the pool, in the BH pool. And you see me, because you can't hide that sort of thing. And you're like, Stephen, what on earth are you doing? I'm like, hey, don't worry, don't worry, guys. It's just over here in this little bit. You, you, you're fine, it's, it's just here, don't worry. No! No, you're all tainted, right? You're all tainted by my sin. And I know it's a silly illustration, but I think it makes like a, kind of a, a, a serious point, right? That's like Achan and Israel. Um, see, sin is more terrible than we know because the, the, the sin of the one affects the many. The sin of the one affects the many. And, and for us here in Hove, we're quite an individualistic society. So we're like, uh, no, thank you. No, no, no. We're about me, self, me, I. And so we don't like this sort of thing. But, but hey, my sin affects you, BH. And your sin affects me. Achan's sin affects all of God's people. Verse 15, he violated the covenant, the agreement God made with his people. He's done an outrageous thing, verse 15. He's taken Cain into the heart of Israel. See, sin, it's a corporate thing. That's why as a church, we confess together corporately. Because, hey, sin's a corporate thing, so we confess corporately. Sin has rippling effects of consequences that we can't see and we don't know about that hurt people around us, our friends, our family, our church. And I wonder if we could see that, what a deterrent that would be, right? And a bit later on, we're going to have time to confess. And in that time to confess, why not have a think about kind of the ways your actions, your sin has hurt other people? See, sin is more terrible than we know. The sin of the one affects the many. And so Joshua's there kind of on his knees. God's given him this answer. And then God says some truly chilling words in verse 12. Um, have a little look with me. Sin is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. That's bad enough. But then he says this. I will not be with you anymore. Because of sin, Israel has become... Canaan. And God says they're going to lose every single battle. But more than that, even worse than that, they're going to lose the power, the protection, the promises of the Lord God Almighty. See, sin puts us away from God. It makes us enemies of God. It's a truly terrible thing. And I hope we're kind of getting the picture here. A PH family, let's not flirt around with sin. It's so much more terrible than we know. So, so, so like, like, please don't entertain those like filthy or spiteful thoughts. If they come into our head, kick them out. They don't belong. Um, let's not kind of be drawn towards gossip and grumbling. Turn the other way. Walk away. That, that, that's not good for us. And we stick to what the Bible says. Don't kind of be drawn into what culture says is right and good. No, well, we stick to what God says, even if others are going against that. Because sin is more terrible than we know. 
And we see here with Achan that sin will be judged. Um, It's almost like kind of, well, God initiates this bag search, this Israelite bag search. He says, we're going to find the person. Uh, Verse 15. He says, whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire. And, and, and kind of, let's zoom in on that camp that night as they're kind of preparing themselves. What a stark contrast to the victory parties of Jericho. Like a kind of silent camp, uh, condemned. It is a truly terrible thing to be under the judgment of the Lord God Almighty. I imagine there are lots of sleepless nights in that camp. And, and for Achan... Like, I just can't get into his head. What must he have been thinking overnight, knowing that the next day God's going to find the culprit? Like, what's he thinking? Oh, we're okay. Under my tent, nice and safe. Because morning comes, and the Bible says early next morning, because, like, no one's sleeping at that point. Um, and kind of, well, Joshua stands there in front of all of God's people, hundreds of thousands of them at this point. And kind of they're into their 12 tribes, separated out. And one by one, Joshua calls the tribes up and asks God, God, is it them? Gad, come up. Is it them? Zebulun, come up. Is it them? Judah, come up. Is it them? Judah. And Judah separate into their clans. He calls them forward clan by clan, asking God, is it them? Is it... Achan's clan is chosen. The net is kind of tightening around him. Until his family is chosen. Man by man they step forward until verse 18. Achan was chosen. Then Joshua said to, to, said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. And Achan replied, It's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. I saw a beautiful robe from Babylonia. I wanted it. I, I saw gold. I saw silver. I wanted it. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with a silver underneath. Can we just pause there for a moment? Isn't that the worst hiding place ever? In fact, in fact let's take a, take a little pause. Um, what do you think are the worst hiding places for valuables? You can shout some things out. I've got four options and we'll do a little vote after that. Anyone want to shout anything out? The worst hiding place ever for valuables? In the open, under the... Yeah, nice, nice. Here's what I think are the four worst ones. Under the bed, in the wardrobe, in the plant pot, or in the toilet system thing. Okay, okay. Um, Now, now, let's do a little vote. Hands up if you think the bed's the worst. Well, okay, a few. What about the wardrobe? Okay. What about the uh, plant pot? Yeah. And then the toilet system thing? Yeah, toilet system's the, the worst one there, apparently. No doubt we're all going to go home and like, change our hiding spots for things. But, but, but like, back then, the worst hiding place ever surely has to be in the ground under your tent. Is Aiken thinking God's not going to see there? Is he going to hide that from the Lord God Almighty? No. No. Because nothing is hidden from God. No sin is hidden from God. Those private thoughts we play over and over again in our head, God sees on a 4K crystal clear HDTV. Those little little malicious words we mutter under our breath that no one else hears, God hears full volume. Our sin is not private or hidden. 
God knows. Uh, and now for, for, for Achan, all of Israel know what he's done. Uh, and kind of he and his family are brought forward past the kind of betrayed looks of the people. And he's brought into this valley. And we read these words in verse 25. Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. In the dark, trouble comes to the troubler of Israel. <laughs> those are those Harry Potter words in bold, aren't they? They're the throbbing, glaring thing, and we're like, what on earth is going on? Well, let's kind of work that through. Um, by going to Christmas, I know it's a gear shift, but stay with me. Um, in the Demetrio house, every Christmas, we do a jigsaw. Right? We love jigsaws. And as everybody knows, there is only one correct way to do a jigsaw. Only one. You start from the edges. You start from the edges. Then you get like, the size, the shape, the color, the layer, all of that. You get that in place, happy days. Anything else is barbaric. Like, you start from the edges. And actually, that's the same advice, not just for jigsaws, which is the only way of doing it, obviously, um, but, but also for answering big questions in the Bible. You start with the edges. You get in place the true truths, the stuff you know about God that doesn't change. And from there, you kind of piece together bits for the middle. But these are your boundaries. So here, like we're thinking, first off, God is good and loving. He, he cannot and will not do evil. That's one of our edges. We know God is just. He will not punish someone unfairly. That's an edge. So whatever's going on with Achan and his family, we know it cannot compromise God's goodness, God's love, and his justice. Right? But, but even still, to our ears, it does sound like God's murdering someone for, for shoplifting, right? Um, but remember our big headline thing, sin is more terrible than we know. Because did you see the way Achan described his sin? He said, I saw, I, I coveted, I, I took, I hid. We've heard that before in the Bible. In fact, that's a haunting echo of the first sin in the Bible in Genesis 3. Where Eve saw the fruit that looked good. Eve took the fruit, gave some to Adam, and what do they do? They hid from God. Exactly the same pattern. And now we're starting to see what's going on here. Because God's people have just entered into the promised land. A kind of new creation, if you will. The founding of a nation. And we've got a kind of new fall happening. And see, God sees that uh, he sees that all of his people are endangered by this poison that's been brought into the camp the crime is so deadly serious that the solution has to be so drastic God cannot let that poison spread sin is more terrible than we know and, and hey I wonder whether judgment bothers us so much because sin doesn't bother us enough I wonder whether the kind of judgment doesn't uh, judgment bothers us so much because sin doesn't bother us enough. Sin is absolute pure evil. 
There's no worse wound we can inflict, no, no more deadly poison. There's nothing, no crime more serious than sin. It is a direct assault against the personal goodness and character of the Lord God Almighty. There are no minor sins. There's no minor sin. It's more terrible than we know. And in fact, the fair and just punishment for sin, according to the word of God, is death. Um, talk about Christmas. Let's move on to birthdays in the Demetrio house. Every birthday, um, we get a present from one of my mum's friends called Jeanette. And Jeanette would do this wonderful thing. She'd like hide the present in our garden or, or like in our driveway and put a note through the door that gave us clues to find the present. Amazing. Like we were so excited to get the Jeanette present. We used to hunting around the quest. Oh, incredible. Um, but, but then one year for my birthday, I just got a card. No super secret treasure hunt. I was gutted. I was, I was annoyed. I was, I was angry. Yes, yeah, spoiled brat Stephen. Like, 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 like there, just like fuming. Where's my present kind of thing? But, but, but see, Jeanette, she didn't have to give me a gift. It was amazing, like, like wonderful love and generosity that, that meant she gave me a gift every year before then. In fact, a card's an incredible thing. But I'd become so, like, presumptuous of, of this gift that it had become a kind of right, a thing that I thought I deserved. And hey, I wonder whether that's true with the mercy of God too. If sin is as terrible as we've kind of laid out, then as each one of us has sinned, we are enemies of God and we deserve death. And so actually every moment of life is a wonderful gift of mercy. So see, what happens with Achan isn't unfair, it's justice. We only exist and breathe and live because of the wonderful mercy of our God. And if we kind of got that into our heads, how different would our moods be, our days be, the way we act be? Sin is more terrible than we know. And so this, this dark chapter ends with verse 26. Uh, over Achan, they heaped a pile of large rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. As Achan dies, God's anger is satisfied. No, no longer are they God's enemies. They're, they're back, brought into relationship with the living God. Um, and what do they do? Well, they build a monument. The kind of second monument they built in, in the promised land. The first, Joshua 4, a kind of monument of salvation. This is a monument of judgment. A, a, a marked symbol to the people that sin is terrible. Watch out. And a monument for us too. Because we see ourselves in Achan, don't we? We've all sinned and violated God's commands. We've turned our backs on the living God's. And one day, we won't enjoy God's mercy anymore. We'll face justice. Just like Achan. We'll be in the dock. And rather than in front of the Israelites, we'll be in front of the living God himself, who will unearth our hidden sin and show us how vile and evil and filthy it is. And on that day, we'll have no answer. Just like Achan was condemned to death, so will we be because of our sin. Sin is more terrible than we know, and Achan's kind of monument is a sign that God takes sin seriously. 
Perhaps the greatest sign that God takes sin seriously is not a monument, the cross of Jesus. A lady called Megan Hill, she said this, she said, there's no inconsequential sins. She said, sin is so sinful, it requires nothing less than the blood of a sinless son to pay its penalty. Sin is so vile and despicable that the only cure, the only payment for its penalty is the death of the sinless son. And pay its penalty he did by dying on that cross. The Lord Jesus Christ. He's like the anti-Achan, isn't he? Both men from Judah. Uh, and see, in Achan, one man's actions brought judgment on a whole nation. In Jesus, one man's actions have brought salvation to any who would believe. In Achan, God's right anger on sin was poured out and the people were saved. Brought back to relationship with the living God. In Jesus, God's right anger on sin has been poured out. So all who trust in him can be brought back into relationship with the living God. See, if, if sin is as terrible as we've kind of laid out today, then my word, grace is more stunning than we could ever dream. When you see the blackness of sin, it, it makes the, the diamond of salvation sparkle even brighter. See, that's kind of Joshua 6 and 7. Joshua 6 and 7 are a pair. Joshua 7 is like, like, like the black backdrop of Joshua 6 and the diamond of Rahab's faith. See, Joshua 7, we saw an insider and his family punished. God's people cast out. Joshua 6, we saw an outsider and her family brought in. Become part of God's people. Um, a guy called Frank said this, uh, just as Achan's violation of faith got him and his family excluded, so Rahab's confession of faith got her and her family included. It is faith that saved Rahab, uh, and the same faith can save us too. See, for all who, who put their trust in the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ, he takes our just punishment for sin. So we get to live. He takes God's poured out righteous anger on sin so we don't have to. <laughs> See, if sin is more terrible than we know, then God's grace must be more stunning than we could ever dream. So if you're a believer here, enjoy that grace, bask in that grace, rejoice in that grace, live in that grace. It is amazing and beautiful that God would save any of us. What a God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that even through hard and dark passages, we can see moments of beauty shining through. Thank you that your grace is all the more stunning, the greater our appreciation for sin is. And as we've seen how black and dark sin can be, Father, show us how beautiful that grace is all the more today. Amen.